0: Let's do it. Welcome one, welcome all, to episode 5 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on November 3rd, 2019. I am your host, Luke of the Incipient Ghost, and in this episode, we're going to be discussing new ways to pay for the Xbox console and rotate that payment into Scarlet. The Outer Worlds comes up, EA Access is on the docket, as well as how games in the PC market are now being received in different communities uh, on the console side of things. Now, if you are new to the Xbox Expansion Pass, it is the goal of XEP to discuss the goings-on in the gamerverse and just how they impact the Microsoft and Xbox ecosystem. With the recent news that EA games are going to be returning to Steam after originally leaving in 2011 in favor of their own origin store, what does this mean for Microsoft? We know that Jedi Fallen Order is going to be the first EA game to hit Steam Uh, In recent years and that EA access a service that was at one point exclusive to Microsoft that is going to follow as well And a couple questions come to mind because I want to look back at this EA access uh, Approach and what it meant initially EA access was available on the Xbox one uh, And it was an exclusive service at the time did they fail to market it properly did Microsoft fail did Xbox fail did EA fail in this messaging uh, and I think the answer is yes, without a doubt. They certainly didn't do a good enough job at touting what a great service EA Access was at the time. This was pre-Game Pass, mind you, in which your value-to-dollar ratio was just incredible. 30 bucks access to a slew and slate of wonderful, wonderful EA games. Uh, and then some, of course, kind of middling, you know, tiered approaches. But then early access to a number of other things. EA Access was a wonderful service, uh, but I wonder why the narrative was such that it, it wasn't, it wasn't the primary talking point. Why was it not a selling point for Xbox consoles? Uh, I wrote articles about this. I've talked about this with various people. I've read articles about it and it makes me wonder to no end. And I wonder if this was due to a lack of confirmation that the service would stay exclusive. Mind you, it is now on PlayStation and it is going to be following into, uh, Steam services. Uh, was it due to Microsoft's own own knowledge that they were going to be introducing Game Pass, which is now, I believe, the best value-to-dollar ratio on the market for any gamer? I mean, I often talk about the fact that I am a budget gamer and that I have to be very careful at where I put my dollars so that I can get the most gaming out of it, and Game Pass Ultimate certainly does that. EA Access is a service that I am now subscribed to. I get early access to some EA games. I get enough of that... Now I'm a casual sports fan. Like I, I love I love sports, but I mean I don't like really love sports. Like not in the way that I'm buying FIFA every year or Madden every year. And so that ten hour trial is just enough for me. It's great. Getting early access to some EA games, not Jedi I order, curiously, and I wonder if that has to do with uh, the the confusion that came with, you know, rolling out Anthem and Battlefield 5 and Battlefront 2, et cetera. Because you only get one first day. And that first day, whether it's your launch date on a calendar or, or not. That first day is the day that consumers have access to it. Consumers, that, that, whether they paid a premium for Ultimate Edition or some variation of it, your first day, your launch day, is when consumers, not reviewers, have access to your title. So you have to wonder if maybe they're shifting their strategy there as well. But was, was EA Access a failed marketing attempt uh, initially in the early Xbox One era? And I say yes. I say absolutely it was. It should have been a selling point for consoles, should have been a selling point for Microsoft, and whether it was the lack of confirmation from PlayStation that it'd stay exclusive, whether it was uh, Microsoft's own knowledge that Game Pass was was on its way a few years out, or whether it was just confusion for what the service could or would be as it evolved into from on, on a number of fronts. I don't know. All I know is that with EA games shifting back into the PC market, this adds more pressure to major publishers to create good, healthy, worthwhile services because competition is great. The idea now that EA games are more readily available on the PC platform and more readily available on consoles, of course, which they have been. Not more readily available. It's a poor way to say it. But the idea that more gamers have access to something is a good thing. And that also means that uh, there's there's a race to to sell your product to consumers, and that is good for customers. That is good for us. Uh, I think it's also good for for those who subscribe to Game Pass because Game Pass is going to have to continuously up its slate. PlayStation Now is going to put pressure on Game Pass in the future uh, with it to come. And I think that's why we see Microsoft doing what it does as far as acquiring studios uh, and trying to get people into the Xbox ecosystem. One of the more recent announcements that we've seen as far as getting customers into that Xbox ecosystem is the announcement or re-announcement, I suppose, of Xbox All Access. Now, this is a monthly, not subscription service. I need to be careful of my wording. But you essentially buy into the idea that you're going to buy an Xbox console, S or X, uh, and there are various bundles there, and the pricing will scale uh, accordingly depending on which one you get. But you can buy, you know, an S model for for something like twenty bucks a month for two years, uh, and it'll include Xbox uh, Game Pass Ultimate, uh, and you have the option to upgrade for Scarlet in certain bundles. But you pay twenty bucks a month, and then suddenly you're in. You've got the console. You own the console once it's paid off. Uh, you know, they, they do they go through credit checks and whatnot. It's not like you can just you know throw your twenty bucks in and peace out. They'll run you through a credit check, but. You can get into the Xbox ecosystem for something super small, like 20 30 bucks a month, and you'll own your console later on. You have Game Pass Ultimate, which means Xbox Live and the category of Game Pass titles. Uh, and then you, later on, you have the option to just upgrade that to Scarlet. And it's a monthly install process, a monthly install program, uh, which greatly reduces the need to have $400, $500 sitting in your bank account. In order for you to just get the console, not counting games, not counting extra controller if you got you know multiple people in the house, not counting Xbox Live, what a good approach. And I'm very very curious to see if this this uh, this approach, this attitude, this marketing strategy takes off. This is how a lot of us uh, get cell phones now. There was a time years back where if you needed a new phone, you plunked down you know 300 bucks and you know contracted in for two years now if you're just paying 20 bucks a month or a little bit at a time and at the end you own your console that's a good that's a good uh, approach there that's a good idea especially as someone who had to recently buy a new console that was a painful hit to the wallet to the credit card the idea that 20 or 30 bucks a month that's much more manageable in a lot of different budgets i will i will offer caution to anybody and everybody as you think about how much you spend in different subscription services. They certainly can add up and catch you off guard. So at every two, three months, you should take a look. Like, am I Do I need Hulu? Do I need Disney Plus? Yes, you do. Star Wars is there. It's amazing. Um, do you need Netflix? Do you need this service, that service? Check your Patreon amounts. Are you doing it right? Are you getting the quality content you want out of all of these various things? That way, you're not getting nickel and dimed uh, and bled dry. But at the same time, Huge shout out to this strategy. I hope this strategy is one that pays off. I hope this strategy is one that gets more people into that ecosystem that we talked about because there is a lot to offer. Game Pass Ultimate is incredible. That slate of games is incredible. Goodness gracious, I'm playing Outer Worlds right now. And uh, ooh, what a game. We'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, but, uh, you, know, you know, a lot of good stuff there. Let's transition the conversation now to one that, that could be perceived as, as extremely serious, but we can also take an economical, more quantitative approach to it. Uh, BlizzCon is going on, or has just gone on by the time I'm recording this. Blizz, Blizzard has made apologies for a number of the bans that have taken place over the you know Free Hong Kong uh, moniker, a- in which people were banned because they, they showed support for for the idea of a free state in Hong Kong, which is against the Chinese government. And, of course, this has to do with a lot of uh, $0.10 dollars of money in Chinese markets and what this could mean in a, in a communist country. But Blizzard made its apology. That's the, that's the real conversation here. Blizzard makes its apology at BlizzCon early on but doesn't necessarily walk back a number of the the, the bans or the approaches they have. Blizzard's messaging is that uh, they chose to do what they did because the messages that were sent out on their platform were not about games. And then they proceeded to discuss how uh, they support every gamer's right to, to express themselves, just not on their platform. It was a very confusing idea. The gaming side of this is that they announced Diablo 4 and Overwatch 2 this is this is a difficult spot to put gamers in because Diablo 4 looks like uh, an enhanced Diablo 3, darker, gameplay more uh, intense. It certainly looks fantastic. I know I am a casual Diablo fan. I'm not super into Blizzard games. Like, the, the boycott Blizzard wouldn't really affect me because I'm not one to pick up a Blizzard game every single day, as many do with World of Warcraft, with Overwatch, with Diablo and, and such. But Diablo 4 looks good. I'm excited by it. I'm I'm. I'm not the guy to get excited about it, but I'm looking at them fighting these monsters with these kind of new-aged raid mechanics, but it's still that Diablo gameplay. Heck yes, this looks dope. How am I supposed to take this? How am I supposed to respond to this? How are you supposed to respond to this as a consumer, as a gamer? Uh, You as a customer who is aware of different things that go on in your personal philosophies, political mindsets, uh, you as a customer are put into a difficult spot. As were many of the employees at Blizzard, I'm sure, players of Blizzard games, Overwatch 2 fans, or people that are excited for Overwatch 2, because I should say very quickly before I get into the philosophical portion of this, Overwatch 2, it's PvP, it looks like it can play with Overwatch 1, but but 2 uses kind of an upgraded engine, there's a lot of PvE content that's coming with it, which makes me excited, because that's, you know, as I get older, and uh, we're going to say, Slower to React in certain PvP settings. Uh, I prefer the more horde-based modes or the idea that I can team up with people or just play solo against uh, environments and, and easier bots because baby mode is dope and I like it. I'm a man for easy mode. Don't care what you say. Now the question comes back to, you know, as a consumer, as a gamer, philosophically, what do you do here? You know, when this game hits Xbox One, when this game hits PC, uh, when it when it's Overwatch 2 or Diablo Floor looking at you and you're into those games or those those uh, communities do you still do you do you take a stand with your wallet because the wallet is the only thing that matters here make no mistake it, how you spend your money and how those companies receive your money that's what they truly care about whether they're good people working you know in the company or not that's the way that you make make companies and businesses aware of your displeasure is by purchasing or not purchasing different products and that's a philosophical difficulty. If you really love Diablo and Diablo 4 is a place for you to bond and hang out with your friends, uh, is it worth buying the game? Overwatch is a hugely popular game. Uh, is it worth it to buy Overwatch 2? Does it does it compromise your own personal your own personal philosophies and political mindsets? And I think you have to to reconcile that yourself. Nobody should be able to pass judgment on you for that, and it's the choice of every person to make. My encouragement to all of you is if you are going to make a choice to support, not support, be educated on the topic, be careful with the narrative that you're spinning so that you're not damaging your own cause, whatever that is. Uh, and as you approach as you approach the decision to, you know, on that scarlet system or on your Xbox one, click buy on on a certain product that has a blizzard name. Is it something you want to do? And if it is, and if it's for the right reasons, if it's for something that, you know what, I love the game, and it's not for me it's about gameplay, rock on, enjoy yourself. Be aware of what you're doing and not doing, and, and enjoy yourself. I mean, I'm certainly buying um, Jedi Fallen Order, despite the displeasure I have with EA. I certainly uh, am enjoying, or rather I should say, I really loved the Modern Warfare campaign, despite how many times I've been frustrated with Activision. So I, or, or, and many others, are certainly... Uh, not immune to this idea there's no there's no moral high ground here that that is clear cut and easy to see other than the fact that you want people to be free and not oppressed in any way shape or form but does buying a product mean that and we should we should bring this conversation to a difficult or a different front xcloud and stadia are on the horizon and stick with me on this The Chinese markets have a major influence on the American markets. That market war, that political landscape of taxing hardware that is going on well outside of gaming uh, between different administrations, that's going to impact console hardware prices. Your Scarlet may be more expensive or cheaper due to the political landscape, due to that Chinese... that, that, that idea that Chinese money is there and the money that can be made in a Chinese market. And those will certainly change the way the consoles hit us. We saw Nintendo, we saw PlayStation, we saw Microsoft all sign the same letter and get different uh, United States senators involved in that process as well. That's surprising and strange and odd to talk about on a, on a, a podcast of for gaming, and yet we're having to talk about it because of Chinese market influence. Now, if your console is more expensive, if your Scarlet is, is taxed to a point where, where it could come out making, you know, without huge or major losses to Microsoft, maybe it's a $600 piece of hardware, well, goodness, that's too much. How important then is xCloud? How powerful is the Stadia message then if you see PlayStation 5 or Xbox Scarlet? At six, seven, eight hundred dollars because of taxes or whatnot. Now that's an extreme scenario. Don't misunderstand. I'm not like saying, "Oh my gosh, that's what's going to happen." No, 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 no. Rather, instead, how important is cloud gaming? Is mobile gaming? Is your mobile device to gaming and your access to the Xbox ecosystem? And I think it is ten times more important if that is to be the case. If your consoles uh, are are suddenly more difficult to to receive or to get because of that production landscape and that taxing political landscape we saw nintendo shift where they produce certain switch units because of this does microsoft follow suit should they follow suit that's a question i think you you have to ask yourself if you're going to be inclined to do so It's, it's a serious topic guys and it's a strange one to have on on a podcast where you're supposed to talk about games but that's how gaming has been over the past few months it's not just been about you know is Death Stranding good is Gears 5 good is one better than the other what what makes an exclusive no 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 in fact as we approach this new market and maybe it's my age maybe it's just my interest levels but I think these are things to think about and fascinating things to watch XO 19, goodness gracious, no one knows if it's X0 or XO, the letter, I believe it's a zero, don't quote me on that, 99.9% sure, but who knows, I mean you can never tell with these things, you never know, it's easily findoutable, but XO 19, November 14th, that's gotta be difficult timing for Microsoft, because Aaron Greenberg has stated there are surprises in store, that the message is games, 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 But that's difficult timing. You don't want to cannibalize your announcements for your Scarlet reveals and and the celebration and excitement you have for Scarlet when that is to come. You know, you don't want to cannibalize those announcements, but you still want to make XO19 something special for those in London who are in attendance. The Elite V2 controller will be out, uh, I think, roughly a week and a half prior to. Mine's already shipped. I'm super excited. Oh, I'm so excited. By the time you're hearing this, I will have it, and that is awesome. In Exile is confirmed to be at XO19, and you have to wonder what other surprises are in store. Is it just Game Pass announcements? Is it just, you know, Xbox Live Gold uh, strategy shifts? Goodness gracious, they might need them. But how do you time an XO celebration, uh, a celebration for gamers to come together and enjoy Microsoft gaming, the Xbox platform, some of the incredible things that Microsoft has accomplished uh, in the past few years uh, in kind of their, their, their be- rebuilding, restructuring on their march towards Scarlet? How do you approach that announcement slate? You just had E3 a few months back. XO, I believe eighteen. XO eighteen in Mexico City was awesome. I loved that. Was one of the few inside Xboxes that I thought stood out as being awesome because the crowd was energized. You had cool announcements about uh, different games coming to to Game Pass. You were getting people charged up about different uh, hardware bundles and whatnot. Those are really cool things. But how do you now do that? How do you navigate that post E three? Pre-Scarlet Reveal, when you know your system, when you know your major exclusive uh, Halo Infinite is on the horizon, you can celebrate a lot of the Gears 5 numbers. That game's incredible. You've got new studios. Do you announce even more studios? I believe it was uh, XO9, XO18 where we saw uh, some of some of the fruits of those studio acquisitions it's an interesting conundrum to be in and yet again we're seeing a major publisher whether it's blizzard whether it's ea whether it's microsoft whether it's sony where in this case we're seeing microsoft have to navigate their messaging very carefully in order to bring the gamer bring the consumer into the fold stay excited about something that might be soon that might be later that's a fascinating thing to look at Personally, I think it can't just be DLC announcements. You need to see what InXile's doing. Maybe you need to see what Double Fine's doing. Some of your smaller stuff, those, those AA uh, approaches there, that's what we should see from, from EA. We got a question a, a few weeks ago from, from Blaze Knight, and he said, what genre do you feel is the most lacking in the AAA, A AA space on Xbox, and what game uh, would you like to see more of on Xbox? And I think in, in, the question has to do with double and AAA approaches to the slate of of what Microsoft has to offer right Uh, and if you look at XO19 this is the exact place where you announce a a couple double-a type products this is where you should be having your state of decay your crackdown your wasteland 3 announcements and if you look at the slate and the catalog of Microsoft products the reason that it looks like they don't provide enough for gamers is because they don't have a comfortable balance of double and triple-a products you have Gears 5 you have Halo 5, you have Forza, in the AAA slate. Sea of Thieves, you can make an argument for being AAA. I think now it's a AAA uh, product, post-anniversary uh, update, but at one time it was AA, and it was last year, uh, and part of this year, I suppose, where State of Decay, Crackdown, and Sea of Thieves were asked to carry this major exclusive idea, this 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 idea that these are the exclusives that you can get on Xbox. They were asked to carry that burden alone. And they're not games to do that. Those are fun double A's. There's a lot of fun to be had in those titles. But they are not games that can compete with God of War, with Spider-Man PS4, with Horizon Zero Dawn, etc. Gears 5 can, Forza can, Halo can, but but not those. And you need a balance of them. And I think at XO19, when you see games like Wasteland 3, uh, you should be seeing a lot of the double A-esque approaches for a Microsoft product. And you save your triple A stuff for your Scarlet Reveal for your E3s. You save your AAA stuff for that. Uh, My hope is they don't spend too much time on bundles. My hope is that we don't spend too much time on the Elite V2. I want to see something for them because they need to market that stuff, but I don't just want marketing speak. Like, they've just launched the new This Week on Xbox. They've redone it. It looks just like Nintendo Directs. Nobody knows about it still, but they're beautiful. They're really well done. It's still marketing speak, but uh, each week they release it on YouTube. It, It doesn't get promoted super well, but it's cool to see it's cool to see that they're adopting different strategies and ways to talk to consumers, but it all comes down to messaging, and that's got to be what they do. They've got to they gotta tailor that messaging and make it appropriate for the consumer to hear. XO19, let me know what you think. Let me know what you're expecting, what you want to see there. I love celebrations of gaming. I'm looking forward to it, but is it something that we're all, we should all be tuned in and watching live, or can you just catch the recap? Tell me what you're going to do. Let me know on Twitter, at InsipidGhost. This is where I want to hear your thoughts. Let me know what you're thinking. You know, I mentioned earlier in the show, Modern Warfare, uh, Call of Duty, it wrapped up that campaign, played a good bit of multiplayer, have not my final thoughts, because I don't think you can ever really have your final thoughts on a, a game you return to regularly. But I will tell you this, guys, ladies and gents listening to the XCP, the Xbox Expansion Pass, Modern Warfare 2019 is the best campaign of any Call of Duty to date on any platform anywhere. I played it on Xbox One X, rather, pardon me, it was gorgeous, it was wonderful. That gameplay, the sound design, the visuals, the story, incredible. Modern Warfare, if you are into first-person shooters, particularly their campaigns, Modern Warfare is among the best of the best. It's up there with Titanfall 2 for me. It's up there with Halo Reach for me. As a campaign, as a first-person shooter, it is bar none one of the greats. Now, The multiplayer suite. I have some tiered thoughts on this one because I've played quite a bit of it, and yet I think it deserves more attention before I lay final thoughts on it. But I can tell you early on, I feel the spawn system is broken. I don't enjoy a lot of the maps because you can get locked in very easily, and I find that very frustrating. I should also mention that at one point in life, I was extremely good at Modern Warfare. Uh, Almost a 3.0 KDA way back when at Modern Warfare 1 and 2, way back when... Uh, and now, like, I'm lucky if I get uh, 0.5 KDA. And, yeah, take that for what you will. I'm getting older. My time is more diverse, and I'm not invested into one game as much. I prefer games like Gears, third-person narrative experiences, what have you. That's fine. But the multiplayer suite, when you get into a situation where you can be spawn-locked, I think that's frustrating, and I hope they rectify and fix that. Big Team Battle feels a lot like Battlefield, which is cool. I think it's great. and Ground War is neat, there's a couple different modes in there. Uh, there's a few that I haven't tried out that I do want to check out that diversify the gameplay a bit more, but all in all, I'm very comfortable saying the mechanics are incredible, the gunplay, fantastic, the, the sound design, wonderful. I will tell you this, we talked a lot about hair physics way back when in the Tomb Raider days, sure, but the mustache physics on Captain Price, dope, dope. They look so good. The facial expressions so cool, and there is a payoff at the end of that story for Call of Duty fans that is special. I won't spoil anything. Fear not. I would never do that to you, but uh, it's a cool payoff, and I hope that you guys get a chance to check it out uh, for sure. The other game that I have recently started that I am super excited to talk about is The Outer Worlds. Now, I'm a couple hours in. I'm still on the first planet in The Outer Worlds. I do not have a background in, of enjoying Fallout. Fallout has not been a, a series that I've been into, but Outer Worlds should be on a lot of people's radar for a number of reasons. It was published by Private Division, but it's an Obsidian title. Obsidian, now owned by Microsoft. There is potential that we see the sequel coming to to Xbox exclusively. Let's not go there just yet. We have a great question from Winter Gamer that we'll get to. But Outer Worlds, my experience with it early on is there is a lot of diversity choice for gameplay. The gamer can, can approach this in a way that they just consume the story that they don't shoot anybody the entire time, that you talk your way through it. You can play like Han Solo and being roguish and and not uh, akin to any faction. You can uh, ally yourself in different places. The dialogue is wonderful. My personal favorite part is the shooting. I enjoy the time dilation where you slow down and get slow-mo. I love slow-mo in games. It's so cool. Uh, Sniper Elite does it well. Uh, A couple different Grand Theft Autos have done it well. Max Payne. I love slow-mo in games. So I really enjoy that aspect in the shooting. There's a little too much talking for someone like me, and that could just be my gameplay style because I approach the decisions that I'm faced with in a way that that I would actually do it. I don't play a character. I play me, and, and I imagine it's me there. And so then I'm putting these really tough moral dilemmas where there is no good outcome. There is no good choice. It's a matter of what's less horrible to you or, or what's less uh, crushing to your soul because it's a story about capitalism, and it, when it runs rampant, what can happen? It's neat. It's it's a fascinating story. I love it. The color palette is gorgeous. Uh, do yourself a favor. If you're never gonna play Outer Worlds, if you if you don't want to pick it up on Game Pass or whatever system that you enjoy, you know your, most of your games on, just go watch some videos on it because it is beautiful. It's something like a mix of, oh man, how would I describe it? a mix of No Man's Sky and. Uh, something else. I, I it's so hard to describe the, the color palette and the design and the visuals, but it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. If, yeah, there you go. No Man's Sky and Fallout. That's what I'm thinking. Maybe there you go. Throw a little Mass Effect into that. A little touch of Mass Effect. But what a cool visual landscape that it offers. I'm loving my time with it. Wasn't expecting to. Was not expecting to. It could be a game I finished. I'm told it's a 15-hour critical path. Uh, maybe you can do it in a little bit less if you, if you kind of just rush through certain things. But if you have Game Pass, check out The Outer Worlds. If you are so inclined on another system, maybe you're checking out XCP for the first time and you're a PlayStation player or, or whatnot, check out Outer Worlds. I think there's a lot to be had there. Uh, it is a wonderful addition to the Game Pass slate. Uh, and it brings up a question sent in by The Winter Gamer, and he says... With Outer Worlds having a successful release, do you think that the release of a sequel only on Xbox will hurt the game, or do you think that with xCloud that it won't be an issue because essentially one does not need to own an Xbox to play Xbox games? Ooh, that's a layered response there, Brendan. Uh, But I like it. I like the question. I don't know if Microsoft will release The Outer Worlds 2, which they've certainly not been bullish in talking about. The idea that they want to make a sequel, they have plans for a sequel, they are not hiding the fact that they have more planned for this franchise. I do not know if we'll see Outer Worlds 2 exclusively on Xbox. And the only precedent I have to you guys on this is that we saw them take over Minecraft, which was was not exclusive to Microsoft at one time. Now it is owned by Microsoft. Minecraft is still available on every system we've seen them have exclusive games or the ability to keep games exclusive and they'll publish them on switch they'll make them available in other places you know play anywhere comes to mind pc availability that's going to come up in our thesis today uh, but i don't think let me back up I think Microsoft should keep this exclusive. Outer Worlds 2 should stay an Xbox game. And then you have it as a Play Anywhere title. You have it as a Game Pass title, a Game Pass Ultimate on PC. You can play it on your PC. You can play it on xCloud, sure. But I think the franchise needs to become exclusive for Microsoft so they can add it to their slate. It looks good for that, that scroll screen, Xbox Game Studios, Obsidian, which is related to Microsoft, to do Xbox. I think it's good to see that popping up in different places. I love... Love, love that more gamers are getting to play Outer Worlds. Don't care what system you're on. I think it's a silly idea that you bash a game because it's not exclusive or is exclusive. That's a dumb thing to do. I don't like that narrative. It's not, that's not how I like to approach gaming. But uh, make the sequel exclusive and then make sure it's on PC. Make sure it's on xCloud. Make it available to, to people in that way and bring them into your ecosystem appropriately. That is my thought on that one. Uh, winter gamer i hope i answered it and answered it well for you hmm where do i want to transition us to next i saw the new avengers trailer gameplay and design looks a lot like destiny mixed with anthem but in a good way uh the gameplay looks dope i cannot wait to fly around in iron man i'm more excited about the avengers trailer i saw recently and i for the life of me cannot figure out why they didn't market it this way initially when we first saw it but i'll tell you this gameplay looks cool I have the idea, to. I, I can lock my visual look and then adjust my stats accordingly. I can run missions solo and with people. I can be Iron Man or my own version of Iron Man in my own mind. I can kind of create and craft my own story outside of their story. That's cool. That's neat. What I don't want to see happen, what I really don't want to see happen, is that PlayStation or Xbox or PC or whatever, I don't care, Epic Game Store, I don't want to see exclusive characters on different platforms. I don't want to see Spider-Man belong to PlayStation in that way. The Spider-Man PS4, the, the white Spider-Man, the one with the white, white spider on his chest, okay, fine, you got an outfit, cool, that's dope, that's dope, deserve it. Spider-Man PS4 is fantastic, but I don't want to not get Spider-Man because I'm playing this on Xbox. I want to play this on the most powerful system with the best visuals, I want to have Cloud access later on down the line, I want to have this on my Scarlet, I don't want to miss out on playing the Spider-Man, I think that's a bad move. I hope that we don't see that that decision from it. But I'll tell you this, that that trailer is dope. You owe owe it to yourself to go take a look at it uh, for sure. Before we get to our thesis today, let's look at a few listener questions. This one comes from Eggshen8. He says, my main problem with Xbox is the UI. I know it's been tweaked here and there, but it's still dreadful. Do you think that they will make a large step in redesigning the UI for Scarlet, or just an incremental step? Great question. Great question, Eggshen. I got to tell you, the... The Xbox UI insiders are getting an early preview now at, at a new, more customizable way. The current iteration of the Xbox dashboard and such is a, an evolution from what they thought would be very tablet-based technology with the idea that you would be uh, doing everything on tablets and phones with, with large icons and tapping, and that's where the snap feature kind of came into existence, and of course that didn't happen. That, that wasn't adopted, and people liked the, the PS4 XMB evolution a bit more. And I say a bit more, a lot more, because at, very, at the first, in the very beginning of Xbox One, ooh, it was bad. Nothing like the, the slim and easy-to-navigate blades of the 360. Uh, so I agree with you that the UI needs improvement. Dreadful, uh, I don't notice that. It's kind of like when you get a phone and you you know how to use it because you know the OS real well. Like if you're on Android and you pick up an iPhone and you don't have experience with it, well, that, that iOS is just that's awful to, to navigate. I can't stand it. It's, it's difficult, but I'm an Android guy. Anybody, my wife picks up my phone. She's like, yo, what am I doing? Because she's an iOS person. So I think there's some balance and changing of our verbiage that needs to take place there. Dreadful? I don't think so. Needs improvement? Certainly. I've seen improvement? Absolutely. I think it's gotten a lot better throughout the generation. But yes, to answer your question in the most simplistic terms, it needs a major redesign. We're seeing that kind of hit insiders. As they redesign for Scarlet. they need to to bring the Xbox One Uh, ui kind of tours that that step making it easier so that when you log in on xcloud when you log in on xbox for pc when you log in on on anything that has the xbox moniker it is similar and easy to use in the same way that android is easy to use for android people windows for windows people ios for ios people etc etc they need to make it as easy to navigate and as comfortable for players familiar with it as possible Uh, and maybe maybe that means borrowing from playstation I can't see that. That is a bad thing. Borrow from Switch. Uh, maybe. Switch is a little too simple of a UI, but but my point remains the same. Yeah, they're due for a redesign. Let's put it simple. They are due for a redesign. Highly Intelligent writes into this show, and you can too on Twitter, at InsipidGhost. Tweet me there, or email me at insipidghost at gmail.com. He says, With Microsoft doing so many great things with services and software, do you think they're okay with Xbox being, quote, number two? Uh, in hardware sales to PlayStation even in the next gen or is there a plan to try and have another 360 generation I think uh, Jared uh, highly intelligent I think absolutely they are fine with being number two as long as they are raking in the cash Right now, the percentage, the value to dollar for the Xbox consumer uh, is quite good for Microsoft. Uh, now, it wasn't in the beginning. But now, the amount of consoles that are out there are uh, less than half of what PlayStation 4s are out there, uh, and yet they are bringing in money from those consumers. Well, they are making profit. They are doing very well. Um, so if they're number two and this is, this, is, this is losing badly, they're doing just fine. And I think it's fine now. We're, at a world, we're in a world now It's not like like Super Nintendo and Genesis. It's not like there are a really small number of gamers and if you don't win that market, you're screwed. There are so many gamers and ways to monetize games from a huge population of gamers and the idea of Microsoft is to get to to as many screens as possible. The idea of reaching a huge amount of people and monetizing from them, as businesses do, is, is what their goal is. Whether they, quote, beat PlayStation, beat Nintendo, beat Stadia... I don't think that's the the primary goal so much as it is to, to be profitable and profit well. Now, headlines write themselves and narratives can can run away from people whether they are true or not. Everyone says the 360 won that generation. Maybe it did, but PlayStation 3 certainly sold well and a lot of people were forced to buy multiple 360 consoles uh, w- which inflated or changed the number of units sold because of the Red Ring of Death. I don't care about that because I had a blast playing on my 360 and there were some fantastic games that came from that generation. But I think as long as companies are profitable and doing well, they're going to be happy to be in the fight, happy to be making money, happy to be bringing us games. Like I said earlier in the show, we don't even know what those new consoles will be priced at. And cloud gaming might become more important than ever. I don't think that will happen, mind you. I want to be very clear on that. I don't think that's going to happen early on. But the idea to make themselves more available, uh, it doesn't matter if they're one, two, or three. It matters that they are making money and a good amount of it from consumers and that consumers are are willing to spend that money. And you do that with a comfortable relationship and bringing people in with good messaging, good marketing, and uh, a good attitude with great games. Aeroslayer slayer writes in and says i just realized playstation has their own version of game pass how do you think this will affect xbox uh, i'm ignorant at to playstation at times since i only have an xbox i think that playstation now in its current form is very poorly marketed but it is a great service they price dropped it you can download games on it and it puts a, a lot of pressure on game pass to continue delivering and one of the things that i consistently go back to when i look at game pass is they need to tier their releases the reason that that PlayStation's uh, exclusive slate is so highly touted is they have some incredible experiences that are major hits, and they don't really talk about their losses because their hits are so good. They've, they've closed a number of studios this generation, and no one cares because Horizon Zero Dawn, so, uh, Spider-Man PS4, Last of Us, Last of Us 2, Uncharted are also great. They're also phasing out Uncharted. A bit, So that they can kind of move past. We're not really talking about Killzone right now. We might soon, but they are able to highlight their major wins, whereas Xbox hasn't been able to do that for for a number of reasons. It comes down to the narrative that is written. PlayStation Now is a great service. Xbox Game Pass is better. It needs to stay better, and it needs to stay better by way of those studios that they've acquired putting out games that are of double and triple A quality marketed in the right space. Crackdown should not be meant to carry an exclusive slate. But if it's in there with everything, somebody's inclined to say, hey, yeah, Crackdown 3's out. Not you know, I can have some fun with that. It's a good seven. And I like Crackdown 3 a lot. I, I say that and I get a lot of flack for it. I liked it a lot. But uh, in no in no right mindset could I ever be like, oh, this can compete with an exclusive slate from another uh, developer. This is on God of War level. That's ludicrous thinking ludicrous thinking so yes there is an effect on xbox there is an effect on game pass and it it's not just playstation now that's doing it it's switch online it's stadia it's epic game store it's now ea access being on multiple platforms not just xbox those are all important things and that competition is good and it is good for you if you said you are ignorant to playstation at times because you have an xbox you're in a great spot man game pass is awesome and it's awesome because of the fact that Microsoft wasn't winning this generation. Simple as that. And that's a good thing for gamers. Uh, support the products you like. Spend the money where you want to spend it. But, but recognize that it, it, it comes from the fact that uh, losing can sometimes be good for gamers. Hubris is good for companies to have. Hubris is good for companies to have. End point. End discussion there. Jim Ryan knows it. Phil Spencer knows it. Hubris is important. You must recognize your wins, celebrate your wins, Recognize your losses, recognize your failings, where they are, learn from them. Our final talking point this week has to do with Death Stranding. Now, Death Stranding, a PS4 exclusive, sort of. PS4 exclusive, yes. Simple as that, yes, it is. However, console gamers uh, are the ones that write this narrative. Death Stranding's coming to PC in 2020. This is not news, although for some reason it was received as news recently. Uh, but I want to say very clearly to everybody listening that it's a good thing that Death Stranding is coming to PC, that more players are able to access a game created by one of the great minds in game creation. This is a a strategy that Microsoft and Xbox has employed for years with Play Anywhere, has refined. We see Gears of War 5, one of the great games of this generation, one of the great games on Xbox. Gears 5 is a special game. Uh, It is more Gears, but it was done very well with a better narrative, um, no doubt about it. But we've seen Gears 5, it's, it's on Steam now. It's on Windows. It's in Game Pass Ultimate. It's in Game Pass. We've seen Forza end up on on Play Anywhere. And there was a time, there was a point at which people said, well, why do I need an Xbox? I've got a PC. Yep, that's a good thing. Enjoy that. More gamers enjoying great games is a win. Exclusive for consoles uh, is great. That helps you sell your console. It helps you sell your service. But we're in a world now where your plastic box is less important. It's, not, it's, st- it's still important, but it is less so. It's a good thing for more games, more gamers to play great games. Uh, God of War is a game that I did not play on P- on PlayStation, but it's, but it's available on PC, I think via PS Now. Corey Barlog has said he would like to see it on PC. Yeah, do that. Microsoft told us this, taught us this. When people were canceling pre-orders of, I think it was Quantum Break, because they're like, you told me it be exclusive. What's your logic on that? What's the logic there? I'm angry because more people can play this game. More people have a way into this ecosystem. Silly. Silly. It's an outdated mentality, and you have to be careful of your verbiage. xCloud is going to negate a lot of this conversation. Stadia has the potential to. Whatever PlayStation's version of this, they, they have the potential to negate this conversation entirely. But uh, a good friend of mine, Joseph Moran, uh, Mr. BadBit, He he runs a PlayStation podcast and and a a PlayStation or a a gaming YouTube channel. His conversation with me the other day while we were playing uh, Gears was: "He's like, man, I don't think I need to buy a Scarlet. I think if I just get a good PC, I can still play with you together uh, because Game Game Pass Ultimate." That's his conversation. That was the end of his point. I can just get a PC. Yes, yes, he can, and he can still play Xbox games. Xbox Game Studio games. That's great. You're telling me you, you, you're you happy plugging up a controller to your PC and playing with your friends is a bad thing? No, that's silly. Call of Duty Modern Warfare, one of the best things about its is crossplay. Is, is cross-play. I'm playing with him while he's on PlayStation, playing with our friends while they're on PC. I'm on my Xbox, playing Rocket League with people across all different platforms. That's awesome. So my, my call-out, my urge, my call to action, my thesis, my idea to all of you is that when you see an exclusive game that isn't for your platform of choice. Help your gaming brethren celebrate it. Help them enjoy it. Don't lament it. Don't go after them for it. Oh, and that, oh but it's going to be on PC. Yeah, and that means you might get to play it. If it's on a console that you don't own and it's coming to PC, that means you might get to play it. If it comes into a streaming service, you might get to play it. Celebrate that. There is no reason to, to, to write a bad narrative about it. More gamers playing great games is a good thing. Gamers play games. This show is about the Xbox ecosystem and what the gaming verse impacts it with. And I have seen in the past few weeks the reception to this show, the reception to a number of of people out there be so positive and enrich my life uh, because of it. I'm part of the Mixer Ember program. If you want to support me, you can go spend embers in my Mixer channel, mixer.com slash insipidghost. I get to play Borderlands 3 now Because of the generous uh, and kindness, the kindness and the generosity of Eric Townsend and a few other people spending embers in my mixer channel, now I can afford to buy Borderlands Three and bring you guys coverage because they're doing that. Uh, I'm seeing Extra Life go on. Extra Life has just ended at the time of at the time of me recording this. I watched some of my friends raise five hundred dollars, three thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars. Hundreds of thousands of dollars being raised by gamers who are celebrating the culture, celebrating the idea. They're not arguing about what console's better, about how great this or that is. Whatever the reviews are for Death Stranding, help your friends celebrate it. I'm sure they're going to be mixed. They were mixed for Gears. They were mixed for Sea of Thieves. But there are people out there who love them and who enjoy them, who celebrate them. Help those people enjoy it. And if it's not for you, sweet, move on. Enjoy the number of other great games available on other platforms. So that is my call to action to all. Help your gaming brethren celebrate. Help help other gamers celebrate whatever it is that they enjoy and continue that message of positivity out there. I have reached out to a number of different content creators, large and small, for advice and help in growing XEP in this Xbox expansion Pass journey that I'm on. I think episode one uh, compared to episode four, with a huge difference in quality in in a number of ways. And I hope to see it continue growing. And that comes from you guys rating it, giving me feedback, critical, real feedback, sharing it with your friends in the Xbox community. That means so much. And that positive mindset and that growth mentality means a lot. And I would encourage all of you to have it in the conversations you have in social media. And if you're helping me on this show, if you're helping your friends enjoy a game, that's what I would love from you. Well, guys, this show ran longer than I meant for it, too, but I am so proud of it and so appreciative of you guys for supporting me on Mixer at Mixer.com InsipidGhost, for having conversations with me on Twitter at InsipidGhost, for the embers, for the love you guys showed at the various Extra Life funding and donations. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Look forward to the Elite V2 impressions next week on the show, more Outer Worlds gameplay, and each day we get closer to Jedi, Fallen Order, and more Star Wars. That's it for me, everybody. Take care. Bye. <laughs>